The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Today's show is part three of a three-part interview with Dr. Eben Alexander and his uh, co-partner and research partner, Karen Newell. We have been talking about an amazing variety of things, and if you haven't heard the previous two shows, I would urge you to go back and uh, go to our Past Shows button at uh, NDE Radio and listen to them. But since you're here with us today, we will proceed. Now, this is on a totally different theme in some ways. It is uh, has to do primarily with Karen's uh, adventures into the sacred acoustics. Um, uh, How should I describe it? I think I'm going to let you guys describe what this is all about. Uh, All right. That sounds great, Lee. It's good to be back with you. Yes, thank you so much. (laughs) I think I I can begin. Um, Sacred acoustics creates recordings that have embedded in them binaural beats or brainwave entrainment. And these recordings help people to quiet the mind. For for me, one of the um, first kind of uh, benefits was that when I would sit to meditate, it was very challenging to get that little voice in the head to just quiet down. And I thought I just wasn't capable of, of doing it. And it was these types of sounds that helped me get into that quieter state of mind. But as this developed, I found that um, these types of recordings can also help us to get into what's known as a hypnagogic state. And that's that state between awake and asleep, when we're kind of, our physical body is extremely relaxed, but our mind is still aware. And so this allows our consciousness really to be set free. And I think this would be a good time for Evan to explain how that's related to his near-death experience yes, before I go further. And what, what I would add to that is is uh, really the reason I got involved in the binaural beat uh, uh, differential frequency brainwave entrainment in the first place. It was a uh, year and a half, two years after my coma. I'd read more than 150 books on consciousness, trying to get uh, some deeper idea of what had happened in my E and how to explain. And I came to realize that clearly to have a deeper understanding of consciousness, I really had to do more than just kind of sit around like most human beings being conscious, but I had to explore it. I had to more actively go uh, into a deep meditative state or centering prayer and explore what all is available within consciousness. And I I had heard at that time of binaural beats. uh, And just for your audience, if they're not familiar, it's a phenomenon that was uh, discovered in the mid-1800s by a Prussian physicist uh, putting slightly different frequency tones into the two ears would lead to some alterations of consciousness. This was more deeply explored in the 20th century by people who found it was important for uh, out-of-body experiences and for remote viewing, things like that. The reason these tones, I think, are so powerful is they're processed in the lower brainstem and pretty much every sound you've ever heard in your life. uh, And that includes, uh, uh, say, chants or anthems or hymns that might have uh, facilitated deep uh, transcendental states such as awareness, those are all processed in the neocortex up in circuits that arose in the last one to uh, 
uh, five million years ago in primates and human beings. Very different from uh, sacred acoustics and differential frequency brainwave entrainment. Those sounds are processed in the lower brainstem in a circuit that arose more than 300 million years ago. And that, I think, is the important thing. Any uh, general principle in uh, uh, evolutionary biology is if you want to get to the, the core of any kind of function, you want to fall back in evolution and anatomy. And that's exactly what we're doing in finding this circuit in the lower brainstem and interfering with it and therefore freeing conscious awareness. And the part that I really was hoping you would explain, Eben, is how this mimicked your near-death experience when your neocortex was taken offline. That proved to you that the experience couldn't have happened inside your brain. And these tones also help to kind of take the brain offline, not as completely as, you know, Eben's coma experience, but enough so that we can sort of start to reach beyond the veil and start to really generate spiritual experiences more consciously instead of just waiting for them to happen. Well, I think Karen makes a very, very good point. And that's what I was getting to is the whole reason two years after coma that I started uh, investigating consciousness through sacred acoustic style binaural beat uh, uh, and uh, you know deep meditation is because I wanted to return to my NDE. I wanted to explore that consciousness, develop my relationships uh, with the denizens I had met in that realm, uh, develop them more fully. And I can tell you, I meditate an hour day with sacred acoustics been doing that for a decade or better and uh, i've often found a, a very deep and profound reconnection with my nde not just recovering memories of it but actually developing those relationships and that uh kind of knowing of that infinitely healing and loving uh source at the core of it all that's something uh i've reestablished through uh meditation although important to point out i have yet to fully duplicate that full-bore ultra-reality that I experienced in the core realm and in the Gateway Valley through meditation. And it could be uh, that I just need uh, something that more profoundly resembles complete eradication of my neocortex like I had my meningoencephalitis, uh, although I keep trying with the meditation. And I've, I've derived tremendous benefit uh, in reconnecting with my NDE. That's one of the reasons why Karen and I have taken sacred acoustics to the IONS meetings. Um, and shared it with other in the ears. Uh, but it's useful not just for re recovering memories and developing one's relationship, but even for people who have never had an NDE. They can come to the same knowledge. Now, the melody that you kept remembering to get back to the portal that you were slipping away from during your NDE, was that the same? Was it similar to, to the uh, music that your uh, sacred acoustics offers? I can tell you that that is a question that is incredibly common and one that I personally was incredibly interested in. And we have created all kinds of sounds and, and present them to Eben. Is this it? Is this what you heard? And we've never been able to really find uh, what it really, really sounded like for him. And that includes that resonant sound in the core that he heard, that ohm sound. We mm. have an ohm recording, but and it comes kind of close to what Evan heard, but he has a beautiful way of explaining uh, that ohm. Well, the, yeah, yes, I, the ohm for me, that's what I called that deity when I came back to this world, because trying to put it all together in my mind in my early writings, uh, it was clear that that, that deity, that 
fundamental source of love and healing and of conscious awareness, uh, that God force at the core of the universe. Um, God was a puny little human word to me with a lot of baggage. And that's why I called that being Aum. To me, Aum was much richer. That's what I experienced there. It was kind of the resonance you might expect in a cavity of infinite dimensions and all of eternity, uh, that Aum sound. Um, and, and I think... Uh, um, Regarding the melody, you've forgotten it, correct? Uh, well, well, the thing is that melody is, those sounds are not something that can be put together in, in our material world in four-dimensional space-time. So I would say that sacred acoustics actually does one better than just trying to duplicate that sound. It actually uh, enhances the ability of uh, the user's brain and mind state to come much close, closer to that uh, primordial mind and traversing the veil so that you can actually experience uh, those sounds uh, through that kind of traversal as opposed to try and mimic them and present them to your ears because those sounds are far beyond anything that could ever be heard by ears just like everything in that realm is more like Plato's world of ideals it's the ideal template on which the very kind of crude uh, and partial presentations of various sounds and visions come to us in this world, in this material body. Does it, uh, does it disconnect the brain, do you suppose, to let the mind come through? Is, well, that, is that the way it works? What it does is it takes the, to be very specific, it takes the brain from a beta state of awareness. That's the state we're in when we're walking around, when we're talking, and that can be measured with an EEG, that's the electric signal that comes out of the brain that can be measured as around 12 to 30 hertz. And so these brainwave entrainment recordings are created such that they entrain the brain to lower states of awareness. So alpha comes below beta. That's the kind of focused, relaxed state. That's about 8 to 12 hertz. And then 4 to 7 hertz is theta. And that's the state that people are in when they're in deep meditation, when they're are in uh, states of creative inspiration, and below that is delta, zero to four hertz. That's the coma space or the deep sleep space. And so it's right around four hertz is that hypnagogic magic uh, number where when we can feed those kind of signals, and remember Eben said that there are two slightly different tones that you hear in the ear. So on the left side, you might be hearing 100 hertz, and on the right side, be hearing 104 hertz. It's that difference between them, that four hertz, that really allows your brain to become, I would say, more relaxed in a more focused state, in a state where it really believes the body is falling asleep. And this brings up that many philosophies that I've heard from different uh, spiritual teachers and others will tell us that every single night when we go to sleep, our spirit, our, our uh, you know, soul, whatever you want to call it, actually leaves the body and goes on and interacts in the spiritual realms doing uh, various things and then comes back. And so when we're listening to these kinds of tones, we're kind of mimicking that sort of experience. It's kind of like a lucid dream, except you're, and that's where you wake up within a dream and you realize you're dreaming and in some cases can start to manage that dream space. But this is kind of from the other way around where you're in an awake state and you're trying to get into sort of that lucid dreaming kind of state. Yes. And the other thing I would point out about all that um, is that we're really just trying to liberate your conscious awareness. You know, in our, our last segment, I talked about 
the scientific study of people under the influence of psychedelic drugs uh, like psilocybin, LSD, DMT, etc., and how those fMRIs and magnetoencephalography studies show that the brain goes dark. You know, in our society, we're so materialistic, we're used to, well, where in the brain? What's happening in the brain? Well, what is happening and what we're describing with these conscious experiences is not happening in the physical universe of the brain at all. It's by getting the brain out of the way and getting more in touch with that primordial consciousness. That's the real origin of our consciousness. And that's where people people need to make that big shift in their kind of thinking and understanding to get to what these kind of tones can be doing to the brain and mind. But they're essentially taking the brain out of the equation. Mm. I'm sitting here with two of your albums, Golden Light and Lotus. Ooh, the- nice ones. Good variety. <laughs> Which I, I picked up at a book at the bookshop sale at uh, uh, an IONS conference a couple of years ago. And on the back of Lotus, it says, venture along the pulsing currents of the heart resolve of divine compassion. Experience the mantra of universal altruism, Om Mani Padme Um, as it attunes and propels you to the cosmic field of pristine interconnectedness. Pretty, uh, pretty powerful uh, <laughs> music if it if it can do that. I haven't I haven't experienced this with a headset on yet since I just discovered that I'd bought these a couple of years, several years ago. Are there other albums, and are are they? Um, directed toward different experiences based on, um, uh, on, on how they're programmed? Yes, they are. We have a number of different um, recordings. There's probably about 27 different titles, just I'm just roughly guessing off the top of my head there. But um, the, the Lotus one, I just want to point out that Omane Padme Hum was actually a recording that was made in the Tatsang Monastery um, the Tatsang cave or the guru cave at the Tatsang monastery and monks were in there chanting this Omane Padme Hum and we were able to take that recording and work with it such that it was really embedded all the way throughout. It adds a whole other element to the binaural beats but we've made other recordings that are um, meant for deep journeying. We have others that are used for, for uh, becoming more aware of the heart. We have others that are designed for really just uh, relaxing and reducing anxiety. We have something we call the whole mind bundle that was used in a psychiatric practice, and they used the state trait anxiety inventory to measure levels of anxiety. And after just two weeks of listening, people had reduced their anxiety by 26%. And in the control group, those who just received therapy but didn't listen to the sounds, their anxiety decreased by only 7% during that same time period. And so the anxiety reduction is one beautiful benefit of these particular recordings. And uh, they this, this set includes one in delta, one in theta, and one in alpha. So you can listen to them and discern for yourself how your brain kind of reacts to these different uh, frequencies that are being delivered. What I've learned is that the brain, the brainwave state that each of us has is so unique from one person to another 
that it can actually be used just like fingerprints to identify people. And so when we listen to these kind of brainwave entrainment recordings, it's no surprise that we're all going to respond slightly differently. So when people first start listening, they might just fall asleep and others might lay there and think perfectly awake and think, what is going, why isn't, is it something supposed to be happening? So some will have very profound experiences and others may take a little more time, but each of the recordings that we've created is unique one from another. Um, unlike some of the other binaural beat producers who kind of use the same underlying frequencies, but then just create different verbal guidance or intentions to go with it. Ours are all blends of very unique. So we have one called primordial mind. We have one called love body. We have one called heart center. We have one called light body. Light body is pretty fascinating because it incorporates gamma brain waves and none of our other recordings do that. Gamma brain waves are above 30 Hertz. And that's what you hear about when, uh, you know, the runner's high or when monks, you know, very practiced meditating monks are in their most extreme states of uh, connection to the other side, these gamma waves come up. So light body, includes all of the gamma waves. And uh, Eben, do you have any favorites? Well, I, what I would do is just recommend people go to sacredacoustics.com and just look because she, I think she has some excellent training videos, uh, an incredible library, a very informative website, um, you, you know, a page devoted to, I want to do this, I want to do that, all the different reasons that people might want to meditate, you know, from creativity to uh, uh, stress reduction, immune of uh, enhancement, uh, encountering souls of departed loved ones, all the many, many, many different things that people do. Uh, and also there is an app that uh, works uh, on the iPhone. There's a version on the Android, but uh, uh, that is still to be more perfected. The iPhone version is very, very good. Um, and I would just encourage people uh, to check out her website. Now, I'll tell you some of my personal favorites, the ones I use uh, very frequently. As I said, an hour to a day is what I devote to sacred acoustics. I love Heart Center 2. I love Golden Light. I love Light Body, Love Body, Primordial Mind, Lunar Cycles, um, Event Horizon. That's all of them. Well, no, there are, there are more. I'm being choosy. Depends on your mood. <laughs> it depends on what you're trying to do, but these are all excellent for journeying. Um, I know my, my older son used uh, Whole Theta, while he was studying for the medical board exams, uh, and he's convinced that his uh, fairly dramatic uh, improvement in percentile ranking uh, over two consecutive exams had to do with the fact that he used sacred acoustics whole theta while he was studying. Um, uh, he used it uh, literally for hundreds of hours. So in that case, he wasn't journeying. He was, he was just not using journeying. It he was as, using it in his background. Yeah. Right? To, to calm the mind. And then there's also a beautiful background piece called Cosmic Womb that is excellent, excellent material for, say, a massage uh, person, or just if you want some nice background music to give a soothing atmosphere in an office or something. It Cosmic Womb is powerful. It was actually designed by our audio engineer when his wife was pregnant, and he created this recording for, for her to listen to while she was in labor and giving birth. That, thus, that's why we call it Cosmic Womb. But it can be listened to by anyone at any time, just a beautiful, relaxing uh, chime, really, and including a six hertz theta tone embedded. I just wanted to also point out, Lee, that uh, that pilot study that Karen mentioned by the Manhattan psychiatrist is 
Journal of Nervous and Mental Diseases in February of 2020. Uh, Dr. Anna Usum was the author, and it's a very profound uh, treatment for anxiety and, and depressive symptoms, and especially in the COVID era. Uh, that's why this is all so important. And uh, we've also done the mental health care practitioner course, which is available through InnerSanctumCenter.com. Inner um, so, a course mm. we created with Anna. But interestingly, in her in her psychiatric practice, she measured anxiety with the form, but her patients ended up telling her of all kinds of other benefits. There was indeed another med student who used the recordings to help study, and she helped uh, with the Delta recording, helped her to get better sleep, which, you know, we all could use. <laughs> and uh, so there's lots and lots and lots of applications. It really just depends on the person's personal goals and, and where they're at with all of this. You know, it really reflects... Evan, when you first, when you had your NDE, you said you went and read dozens of books trying to learn more on, about the subject, and it really shows uh, how limited, in some ways, our intellectual powers are in in grokking this stuff. When you can listen to uh, a CD, for instance, and suddenly be back close to where you were during the experience. Well, that, that is absolutely true, and I think that's why it's such a gift. That's why I love how uh, Karen and her business partner, Kevin Cossey, have put together this incredibly powerful program of kind of self-development through meditation, is the sacred acoustics uh, sound files. And I think if nothing else, people will find them to bring uh, tremendous peace and uh, kind of comfort to their lives no matter what what the external circumstances are, and also a deep sense of meaning and purpose in their lives. I mean, but these you, are very powerful. But you bring up an excellent point, Lee, when you say that it's, you know, the intellect of all of this, we can sit around and talk about it all we want. But when we actually have our own personal experience of it, that's when things really start to change. And that, that's precisely, as you know, what happens to near-death experiencers? They have these amazing experiences, and they transform. Bruce Grayson says it's the most transformative event that you could possibly ever see in the psychiatric world. And so by you know waiting around for a near-death experience to have this kind of thing, and all of course, all of the uh, not-so-beneficial things that come along with a near-death experience, like some kind of injury or illness, but we can actually generate these kinds of experiences. We can come to know ourselves, this binding force of love. And that's precisely what I was up to before I even met Evan. I was able to uh, really at will cultivate these types of experiences very often with using the sound recordings. But after a while, these sound recordings help you kind of recognize these sort of different states of consciousness such that you can really start to generate them yourself using your intention, even without the music, as time goes by. So they, they can serve as training wheels in some sense, although some people never let them go. They want yeah. to, like Eben, he enjoys listening to them I, I every day. Them. Uh, Karen, you in part of your introduction, I don't know if I included this uh, in part two when I introduced you, but um, you were intrigued by accounts of ancient mystery schools where uh, initiates were led through a series of trials to learn the secrets of the universe. What part of their training do you suppose music played? Well, music uh, probably played a role because we hear so much in ancient times of 
um, sacred structures that they measure now that have a common resonance from one to another. And that resonance is somewhere around, you know, 110 hertz, which happens to be when a male voice goes into an alm chant, that's roughly what that is, around 110 hertz, depending on the particular voice. And so I do believe they use some form of chanting, uh, potentially a form of substances, potentially a form of uh, fasting or sensory deprivation, all of those kinds of things. And I believe from, from all of the reading that I've done on this, that they were really in these mystery schools, they were trying to mimic what we have now come to know as a near-death experience. Because sometimes you would hear about these initiates, they would die, they wouldn't come back. And afterwards, they weren't allowed to tell anyone else what happened. And, and you know, even though they've come to this great knowing, because when you tell other people, it's completely just not the same as having the experience firsthand. And so, yes, I was completely fascinated. I really wanted to have that experience so that I could understand the secrets of the universe just in one fell swoop. But it turns out that over time, you can uh, generate these kinds of experiences and come to that knowledge just as I have. We tell a funny story when I first met Eben. I knew he had had a near-death experience, but his book hadn't come out yet. And I had known others who had NDE. And I knew that they normally learned um, or very often learned incredibly personal spiritual lessons on these journeys. And so I was curious, making conversation and asked Eben, you know, what was the big lesson that you learned? And he says, the brain doesn't create consciousness. And I was confused by that and said, why would anyone think that it does? Because I had already <laughs> come. To, yeah, I had already come to my own knowing, my own understanding from many, many personal experiences all put together, that that was precisely the case, that we have eternal souls, that they continue on after the death of the physical body. But of course, Evan had come from that academic materialist background. So to him, this was an amazing revelation. And so that's kind of where our relationship began is from kind of those two spectrums. And we, we've learned a lot from each other over the years. Well, I wish more medical people, you know, in my 15 years as a, as a chaplain at uh, a hospital here in, in Bangor, Maine, I was encountering doctors all the time who had no time to spend on talking about the other, the other side of, of this. And they were dealing with death all the time. It's amazing to me that they couldn't take a little time to, to learn more about near-death experience and what it, what it means and what it means to a patient who uh, who's had one and wants to talk about it. And the doctors say, oh, you know, that was the that was the anesthesia. That was, you know, a hallucination and, well, and put it down like that. Well, luckily, I would say a, lo a lot of the medical profession is waking up to this slowly, uh, slowly, but surely. There's a beautiful book out by John C. Hagen, the third. It's called The Science of Near-Death Experiences. Uh, he edited it, but it's uh, uh, filled with a uh, physician uh, testimony about uh, their experience studying NDEs and some physicians who have had NDEs. Uh, and it comes out very, very strongly favoring the spiritual interpretation. Uh, and think, I, I think that the, the attempts by um, medical science to explain these things away as a materialist uh, uh, explanation is is rapidly diminishing as people realize that doesn't lead anywhere, doesn't give us any uh, explanation whatsoever.
whatever for how these events are occurring. And you right. really need to have a far bigger kind of metaphysics and understanding of the nature of reality to start to interpret them. It's not because this is about the supernatural. It's that they're about consciousness. Consciousness is absolutely part of the natural world. And, and this is just more carefully refining the nature of that natural world. Yes. Well, we, I think, have exhausted our third half-hour show just like that. Um, wow. Well, that was fun. <laughs> this has been great. Uh, tell our audience how they can um, find uh, your websites, your books, and your recordings. All right. Well, I can rattle them all off. You can reach uh, Eben at ebenalexander.com, and you can learn more about Sacred Acoustics at sacredacoustics.com. And then we are also currently doing a webinar series because all our travel was canceled due to the pandemic. And we've been inviting colleagues that we would normally see at events, including some near-death experiencers and researchers. And you can find out about that at unitedinhopeandhealing.com. And one last website is innersanctumcenter.com where Evan and I have created that spirituality and mental health course with Anna Usum and also a uh, membership platform where people can connect and get to know us better. Oh, that's, uh, that sounds interesting. How does that work? Give us a, a brief uh, overview of that course. Well, our membership platform, we have created a core course, kind of just uh, our standard teachings that take people through, you know, how to really generate that inner peace. And uh, it includes three sample sacred acoustics recordings so people can try them out. And we also have monthly live Q&As where people, that's where people can interact with us. They submit questions and we do a webinar each month where we address all of those questions, whatever they may be. No questions are off limits. So it gets pretty interesting in that setting. Excellent. Well, I hope this show will provide you with many additional people on that website. Thank you so much, both of you, for uh, three really great shows. I'm so appreciative, and I think our audience must be as well. If listeners would like to hear this show again or any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org and hit the Past Shows button. For information about IANDS, go to their website at iands.org. And be with us again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is your host, Lee Whitting, saying... Thanks for listening.